Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, finding talent is tough. Hiring managers can find qualified candidates, but there's a good chance that one of the most important talent pools is underrepresented. And I'm talking about veterans. Well, today's guest is George Randall, where he uses military experience because he's from the military, a very special forces guy. He helps businesses attract, train, and develop top talent in the private sector. Not only does George work for EF Overwatch, a search firm specializing in military leaders, but he also co-authored a new book called The Talent War, How Special Operations and Great Organizations Win on Talent. It's already Amazon number one bestseller in two categories. Welcome, George, to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks, Jeffrey. It's good to be here. I appreciate it very much. And brother, thanks for your service, too. Uh, thank you. And thanks for your fathers. I, I loved learning about that before we started. Yeah. Before we get, we always talk folks that are you know, tuning in. We talk before we get going and the conversations are just as much fun before as they are during the show itself. And so we were talking a little bit about my dad's experience. George, how long were you in the military? Uh, all in, I have a little over 20 years, but it wasn't good for retirement. So I spent about nine on active service, uh, enlisted mm. and officer, and then a, a good amount of time in the U.S. Army Reserves uh, before I, you know, after my active service, just jumped into corporate America, not knowing did you, a darn did thing. You go, and I apologize for not knowing this. Did, were you enlisted and then made your way into an officer? I did. Uh, I grew up uh, the oldest of four boys, social worker, mom, truck driver, dad. And so I knew I was going to have to fund my education. So at the time I had that be all you could be army commercial ringing in my head. And so I went and did it. Good for you. And and to make that, make that jump is not an easy jump for a lot of people. So uh, double good on you, brother, double good. Yeah. I, you know what it was to me and Mike and I talk about in the book, uh, the, the U S military to us is the world's greatest leadership incubator. Totally. And totally. I, you know, all of my success is rooted in the coaching and mentorship and, you know, counsel that I got from so many non-commissioned officers and officers over my time in the military. I, I, it's like a debt I can't repay. Yeah. You know, it's my only regret. That's my only regret as an adult is never serving my time. Although as a family member, I felt I served time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I you do. Know, yeah. People don't always understand that. But the kids of of, of uh, enlisted men or or officers or enlisted women and officers, uh, military uh, personnel, you you serve. I mean, we lived on military bases. We we I knew what uh, you know lockdowns were when we were on alert, not on alert, and all those kinds of things were very much a, a part of our life, you know. And Dad made sure that you had the regulation haircut. I'm sure. Oh, totally. I can remember <laughs> the day he stopped, George. Before we get into this, the day he stopped, he come back from Vietnam on his first tour, and he saw me. And the first thing wasn't, "Hi, son, I love you." You're getting a haircut. Yeah. That was the first thing he said. When he, I could still remember coming down off that plane and stepping into the lobby of the of the airport of the airport at the time in Macon, Georgia. And he just he looked at me and did this. You're getting a haircut tomorrow. That was, yeah. it. That was it. Like, hi, Dad. Oh, he gave you, you till tomorrow. That was yeah. that was oh, quite yeah. generous. He took, <laughs> yeah, he took me down the next day. Boom. I, I my hair was he shaved my head so bad 
that kids didn't recognize me when I came back from Christmas vacation. <laughs> so there's that, that much hair I lost. So anyway, hey, according to Zip Recruiter, some of the top jobs for veterans include things like uh, security guard, EMT, truck drivers, and mechanics. Mm-hmm. Now, you and your partner both help place veterans in executive position. Is the job market underestimating veteran skills? Absolutely. And go back to that phrase that I brought up, you know, it's the world's greatest leadership incubator. It is the one place, you know, corporate America, you you hope to get this position, you hope to get this position, and you hope to have good people around you. In the military, you are trusted with millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of equipment, hundreds of troops, uh, complex and ever-changing situations all across the globe, for which many times there's no book solution. And so you're constantly in this fishbowl of learning and you learn to becoming become what we call, you know, have that learning agility and that coachability and always improving. So, yes, you're under, underestimating veterans, especially veteran leaders and what they bring to the table. And Mike and I think we've we've solved well for that and placed a number in, you know, vice presidents, CEOs, COOs, chief people officers in, in a number of positions. Well, I know there's been a lot of, like Procter and Gamble has a huge program for military leaders and officers. There's a lot of Navy guys that, quite frankly, I've seen a lot of Navy pilots who have moved on, come from the you know kind of the mm-hmm. Top Gun stuff right into leadership at Procter and Gamble. You know, as a follow up to that, what are some of your experiences breaking into the private sector? What's that been like? Well, the first challenge when I did it years ago, and interestingly enough, I fell backwards into HR. So I spent 20 years in talent acquisition in the talent space. But it's it's really a case of you don't know what you don't know. And even in the electronic age, you know, when I got out, there wasn't the internet gives you my age. But now you have LinkedIn, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have social media, you have so many ways of finding jobs and about companies and about information. But it's still surprising with that overwhelming information, how much you don't know about how to market yourself and how to articulate what actually made you successful in the military. Because those very same skills that made you successful in the military, they've made me and have made every Every other veteran successful in corporate America as well. And not knowing how to translate that is one of the things that we've done at EF Overwatch and one of the things we talked about in our book. Well, how do you think those military leadership skills translate? And I know they do well. I mean, I've always seen that, but what what do you think are the key attributes? So when Mike and I, you know, the subtitle of the book is what uh, what special operations and great organizations, how they went on talent. Mm-hmm. And so Mike and I looked at all the special operations groups and we came up with nine. Everybody has kind of their own flavor of ice cream when it comes to special operations, but nine attributes that are drive, resiliency, adaptability, humility, integrity, effective intelligence, team ability, curiosity, and emotional strength. And what's interesting is that, let me just give you this interesting phrase. Just because you have experience at one company, it doesn't and isn't necessarily predictive of success in another environment. So we have found over our time that companies tend to over-rotate on experience. And when we get into situations much like COVID, things that haven't been predicted or haven't been foreseen or haven't been planned for, it's the character that enables your success more so than the experience and the hard skills. So if you're hiring for character, you're more prepared for whatever comes your way than just relying upon skill. Now, we don't say it, it get away from skill completely, but character's where it counts, and that's what's predictable. I like that. Hey, let's take a – speaking of characters, let me take a quick a character. Or let me take a quick break and, uh, and uh, get, get this message from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot – 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we are doing a live cast right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we talk about the talent war. And of course, I've got the co-founder of EF Overwatch, a search firm specializing in military leaders. Uh, George Randall is with me. And of course, they've got a best-selling, he's got a, he and his partner have a best-selling book on Amazon, number one in two categories, all around talent. Now your company, EF Overwatch, helped gets vets into executive jobs from the C-suite to the board of directors and more. Uh, why did you specifically start the company? We saw that there was a great opportunity to leverage the senior talent that was coming out. What's interesting is, and there's the phrase, you know, 60s is the new 50s, 50s is the new 40s. When I entered the military, it was 17 and a half. You're eligible yeah. for retirement right before 40. Yeah. And imagine the what continues on from there. So we saw this group of senior leaders, especially special operations and senior combat arms leaders, and having a difficult time to transition, but we also saw the gap in leadership with companies. And so we took the opportunity to try to marry both of those. Uh, and we've been relatively successful and have just been kind of climbing and climbing and learning to grow. Is it been, is it hard to get some of those, those, especially those combat vets to get a mindset shift, you know, from being, you know, situationally aware all the time of the things that they have to be aware of in the field and then to come back into, you know, an executive job or, you know, a desk job or, or in some other environment, it's a totally different experience. I, I think for the, the stereotype is that it's far more difficult than it is, but Mike and I had this phrase kind of empathy on a dimmer switch. Um, and then a lot of military people have to up crank that empathy switch up, turn it all the way down. And they have to do that with all of their skills. The leaders that we place and the companies that we match with, number one, the companies have to put leadership first. So if we find that, then we have no problem with the veterans. Them transitioning, the, the attributes that made them successful, the drive, the adaptability, agility, curiosity, those things, you're only changing the environment. Now, the environment's not as extreme, but it can be extreme in business. But we're finding they're making that transition with our coaching, mind you, even easier than what people would normally think. Mm -hmm. So it's not so it's not so tough for them. Uh, it, it can be. I think the, the biggest change for veterans is that the military tends to be all consuming. Uh, just yeah. as you remember as a dependent, it's it's everything. It's where you're living. It's the people you socialize with. You shop at the PX or the BX, yeah. you know, but when you come out now, one of the challenges that veterans face is gaining control of their non-work time. Yeah. And they're expecting that gap to be filled. So one of the things that we coach about is you get to go build your life. You get to, to have that family life. You get to have those professional and personal interests that you get to balance. And so it takes a little bit of time to assimilate, but we've been finding great success with all the veterans we work with. I got to imagine, though, for vets, it's got to be difficult sometimes where you sit around people around a table and someone's complaining about this or that. And you just like want to just say, hey, fuck up, buttercup. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, I, I've been out for a while. We, yeah, we call it embrace the suck. It's like, hey, did it kill you? No, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah. um, 
and so, yeah, it is a little bit different, um, which makes veterans actually all that much better under pressure situations with business. Right. It's because they're like, yeah, no factor. Okay. They're not shooting at me. I'll be here tomorrow. We'll figure this out. Yeah. No one died in this case. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the there, it, there are some things where people lose jobs or people could lose jobs. Sure. There's still that yeah. stress, but they manage it far, far better. Um, and their emotions don't get the better of them when it comes time to make critical decisions, be that for people or for business, they're better equipped to handle those periods of stress. Yeah. So to serve on an elite military team, you got to go through this assessment and selection and business. We call that hiring. I mean, what can businesses learn from the military and vice versa? Well, one of the first things that Mike and I talk about, one of the key points is don't over rotate on experience. There, yeah. there are minimum qualifications for any job, but once you meet that, let, let's just take a computer program or something very basic. Four years of coding experience isn't twice as good as two years of experience. It's the attributes of that person with two years of experience that you need to be looking for, because we all know business changes so fast. The job you hire for and have them do for a year, I don't think there's anybody probably listening that even if they're in the same title, the same position, that their job is exactly the same the next year. So you need to be hiring for character. You need to not over rotate on the experience. Once they meet the minimums, then start screening for character because that's what counts. Now, let's say you have someone on your team that isn't pulling their weight and they do a good job, but it could be better. You know, how would the military handle that? I mean, I know how my dad would handle it. You know, <laughs> yeah. what what could corporate America learn from that? I mean, if I wasn't pulling my job, man, my dad would let me know. So and he did it the same way he would do it as a sergeant. You know, that's the way he did it. Yeah, I think we've over rotated in the business world on sensitivity and away from authenticity and neutral conversation. Meaning one of the things is, does the person understand what the standard is and what their role is in the team? Are they pulling their weight? Do they understand that they're letting the team down by not being their absolute best? Do they understand that first and foremost? And you need to tell them early, don't wait. When you see somebody that's not living up to their potential, have that conversation and have a very frank and direct conversation. Because ultimately, they're either going to get better or you need to put them somewhere, maybe in another company where they can be successful because you're responsible for your team. So if you're a leader, have that conversation early and be very clear and very, very frank, but neutral. It's not personal. They're just not meeting the standard. And, you know, back in our day, it was wall to wall counseling in the military. But even the military, there are some people you got to talk to and say, hey, do you even understand that you're far short of the mark here? Let's get with it. Let me help you. And then invest in that employee. If you're a leader, invest in that person, make them better because the return on that investment is exponential. So I, I think that most people would think the military, it's nothing but yelling at people. You know? No, yeah. And it's not the case, right? I mean, no, it's it's such a stereotype. What's interesting is the the military first is the most diverse set of backgrounds. And so to be a leader there means you have to be able to build relationships across the entire suite of human nature and personalities and background and ethnicities and religions. So you have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to re relate. You have to be able to set the standard for those people. And you have to be able to lead and create vision and motivation across the broadest section. And yelling yeah, you can yell. And are people going to do it? Will you have positional authority? Sure, they'll do it, but they won't do it to the absolute best of their ability. In the military, what you want is the best out of every person, regardless of their job. And I think you want the same thing in corporate America and yelling is just not going to get you there. 
That's exactly right. Well, speaking of yelling, I don't want anybody yelling at me. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back live casting right here with All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And of course, we're doing that right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you our podcast every single week right here on C-Suite Radio. Now, I'm with, got with me right now, George Randall. George Randall is the co-founder of EF Overwatch, a search firm specializing in military leaders. And he co-authored a new book called The Talent War, How Special Operations and Great Organizations Win on Talent. So we're talking about all things talent. And when it comes to evaluating talent, what can companies learn from the military? I mean, how, I mean, did you guys just have clipboards just following people around? I mean, what, <laughs> how, how did, how did you evaluate talent? So, well, it depends. There's all different ways that the, that the military the military does it. But one of the first things, especially when we looked at special operations, is are there some minimum physical requirements? Absolutely. Just like there are minimum experiential requirements for most jobs. But they started putting them through standardized, measurable processes that were the same for everybody that had a series of gates. And once they met that gate, they were moving on to something. And it was designed to evaluate attributes, the drive, the resiliency, problem solving, communication skills all along the way. So they're constantly assessing the character and the true attributes that, that define success. So the military does it in a bunch of different ways. Special operations just happens to have been iterating on this for you know, half a century to get it better and better. And, and it's arguably the most admired organizations in the world, what those, those men and women have been able to do across the globe. Well, I love I love the word character. Can I, I'm a real believer of that. Of course, with the hero factor of what we've talked about in terms of businesses with values do better, and certainly people with character do better. We we I think that's a core core value there. The other word that I like that you used in all of your I think the nine points was one was curiosity, and I I, I find that you're really unique uh, that and I like it a lot because, you know, so many times you get into these big companies and everybody goes the same way and no one's afraid to you know stick their head up and ask a question. Mm -hmm. And is, how much is curiosity play? It's huge, especially in the special operations world, because in many cases, in many scenarios, you know, whether that's combat or training, there's no book solution. Yeah. So that curiosity has to come in about how can we approach this problem? What data points do I have? What possible solutions? What best ideas? You know, how does something work? How could something work? Um, you know, one of the phrases, and we were interviewing one of the original founders of Delta Force, and, and he said one of the worst phrases they could hear in selection and assessment was, well, we've always done it that way. If they ever heard that, they were tossing that person out. Yeah. And it was a it really rang true for us that just because something is working doesn't mean it can't be done better. And people that have that drive, that that inherent quality that everything can be better. Matter of fact, you know, one of the best quotes that we had, we had this Navy SEAL and they said, who are you competing against? And he said, myself, I just know I can be better. And curiosity drives that. If it's something's working, it doesn't mean you're breaking it to make it better. It just means you're curious to how can we get a better result? Make it better. Yeah. That's a pretty yeah. unique thing. It's not, it's not that something else is wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's not a negative. It, it's a positive. And Mike and I did that iterating on this book and, and I've done it at some of the firms I've worked with where you, know, first of all, if everybody's around the table and they're thinking alike, they're not thinking. 
And you want the best idea wins. And so if you don't have curious people, you have an enormous blind spot for what's possible with your company. Yeah. Well, I'm a real believer in driving content to get your message out. And you guys released your book, The Talent War, last week on the birthday of the U.S. Marine Corps. Ooh, yeah. There you go. That's pretty cool. I like that. I love things like that, by the way. Just that's fantastic. Mike is very proud to say he was a Marine before he was a Navy SEAL. And 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 it was a a Staff Sergeant Ben that he saw that said, I want to be like that. And so special tribute to the United States Marine Corps. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's already hit Amazon number one bestseller list for outsourcing and workplace culture. What what did you guys learn from the book writing process? How tough was it for you? Uh, the book writing process was easier than the PR process, number one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Number two, Number two. one of the attributes in the book is humility. And Mike and I are so absolutely driven. And we were a bit worried that our egos were going to kind of clash on these topics. It was the number one thing that made us successful was putting our egos aside and living by the best idea wins. If he said something about special operations and worded it, and I said, you know what's not resonating with me? He'd say, take it one step better. If I had something and, and, and it didn't sound right, he would make it better. We were just back and forth. So if you're, if you're writing a book, it's about the value ultimately that you're going to deliver and, and don't be so egocentric that there's one way to do that. Find the best idea. Cause that's what wins. That's cool. Well, you know, you probably were writing the book before the pandemic, right? We were, we were, yeah. we didn't so know how you, timely it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. What, what would you change anything about the book because of the pandemic? Um, you know, we're always trying to find things to make it better, but what we really were grateful about is it clicked right as the pandemic was coming that we literally wrote the book about character matters and the companies that hired for character were doing better in COVID times Always. than companies that hadn't. Yeah. And if we would have known it was coming, we would have probably put some in the book that said, this is exactly the scenario where character counts because nobody has had this experience before. So you have to rely on character. Well, especially now with remote workers. I mean, do you know they're working? How, you know, are they working at the same level you want? I mean, there's all kinds of other things that are going on now where the systems have broken down that you just don't have. And that's a big part. Character's got to be at the main, at the top of the list. It, it, it is. And we talked to a, a ton of companies and, and, and both all the groups that we've led, I don't worry about the teams that I lead because I've hired people with high levels of drive. So even when I'm not around, they're pushing. My challenge as a leader is to keep up. But if you hired simply based on experience and objective bullets on a resume, yeah, you probably have some reason to be suspicious. Well, what are they doing? I need to check on them. You get into that micromanagement, you lose your objectivity, you lose your time as a leader. But if you've hired people that have those great attributes, they're off and running and, and you're always trying to play catch up, even when you're working remote. Fantastic. Well, what a success. Thanks so much for writing the book. Thanks for being a part of all business. And of course, thank you for your military service and keep finding great talent to put in business. So will you, George? Thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. Hey, at the end of every show, I always talk about what I learned. I tell you what I learned. Character. I love that. You know, I talk about hero businesses and the values they have to have for businesses. Well, how about for the people? It's not just values, it's character. And I think character does do is a determining factor in whether or not they're going to win. 
I thought that was a really differentiating thing where he said, hey, experience, yeah, that's important, but really character trumps experience. And I thought that was a real unique learning that we had right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, don't forget to tell your friends all about the show. That's how we gain new listeners every single week right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.